Hello and welcome to the Hinterviews podcast with Peter Hinton, produced by the National Arts Centre English Theatre and coming to you from the Salon of Canada's National Arts Centre in Ottawa. I'm Sean Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the fourth interview of the NAC English Theatre's 40th anniversary season. In each episode, we will take you into the intimate world of the artists and creative minds behind productions on stage at the National Arts Centre English Theatre. In them, Artistic Director Peter Hinton chats with a guest artist associated with the production. In this interview podcast, Peter speaks with Knight Creator and Human Cargo Artistic Director Christopher Morris about the history and creation of Knight, which ran in the NAC studio January 4th to the 16th. For more information about the NAC English Theatre Company's production of Night, please visit nac-cna.ca. Click on English Theatre. And now, here are Peter Hinton and Christopher Morris. Welcome to this afternoon's interview. Um, for those of you who don't know, my name is Peter Hinton. I'm the Artistic Director of English Theatre here at Canada's National Arts Centre. And the interviews is a series we do on every production uh, where uh, you get to meet one of the artists involved in a production we currently have. And uh, we have a very, very interesting and special guest today with our production of Human Cargo's Night. And um, before I invite you to join me in welcoming him, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our guest this afternoon. Christopher Morris is a director, an actor, and a playwright who resides in Toronto. And he's the founder and artistic director of Human Cargo and a co-founder and co-artistic director of Tunanik Arsenet Theatre Group, an Inuit theatre company based in Pond Inlet, Nunavut. Prior to initiating these companies, Christopher established himself as a director with the play Mary's Wedding. Do you remember Mary's Wedding that played here? Christopher directed a different production of it at the Grand Theatre in London. Uh, a play called The Bear that was done with Preface Theatre, the Art Gallery of Ontario. Judith Thompson's I Am Yours with Equity Showcase Theatre, Carol Churchill's Mad Forest, where he was a guest director at the University of Toronto, and another play by Judith called The Crack Walker that he directed at the Trinity Theatre in Dublin. As a professional actor, he's worked with Soul Pepper Theatre, the Tarragon Theatre, Necessary Angel, Theatre Pass Marai, Blythe Festival, Young People's Theatre, Canadian Stage, the Grand Theatre in London, but also the Grand Theatre in Kingston, Ontario. And there's a funny connection here because that's actually where Christopher and I first met uh, many moons ago. What, how many years now? Uh, I think 13 years 13 ago. 13 years ago! <laughs> oh, oh! Isn't it scary <laughs> these things happen? Uh, I directed a production of a play called Mad Boy Chronicle by Michael O'Brien who's uh, one of our writers that we're currently working with here. And, and Chris was an actor in it. 
And uh, so uh, we met in that r rapport many years ago. And uh, he was also uh, a founding member of a theatre company in Toronto called Theatre Front. And it was with Theatre Front that he spearheaded a project called Return the Sarajevo Project, a project that was uh, an exchange and a creation between Bosnian and Canadian theatre artists. He has worked in Ireland, France, Bosnia, South Africa, the Republic of Georgia, Iceland, and uh, is currently working on two new projects in development, one in Palestine and another in Afghanistan. So uh, certainly crossing borders is a big part of Christopher's work. Uh, he uh, uh, studied directing at Queen's University and at Trinity College in Dublin. He has a BAH in theatre literature and a Bachelor of Education. Uh, he's a very interesting and talented guy. Please join me in welcoming Christopher Morris. <laughs> so Christopher, Peter, um, <laughs> I want to open by asking you to speak a little bit about uh, your experience in creating theatre all over the world. Mm. and what that's about for you, and uh, why the international aspect. I mean, many actors, directors, playwrights spend their whole careers in Ottawa or Toronto mm. or Vancouver. How has this developed in your life, and what's that about for you? Um, I did my third year of university at Trinity College in Dublin, and it was during that time that I uh, acted with Irish actors, British actors, American actors, all kinds of folks. And I found that it scared the heck out of me because it always felt like they were better than me. And in the sense where I, I, it was a hard thing because I thought, what's going on? I don't, I don't feel it was in my game or something. And what it was was I was watching different artists have different skills that they naturally have that I may not be strong in. And what it ended up doing was it kind of created a dare for me in some sense to try to learn as much as I can of what they're doing that I didn't know. And it's just a dare began, it felt like. Hmm. And with that, I felt, when I got back from Ireland that year, I thought, wow, what a great experience that was, acting alongside artists from other countries. Because I really felt like I learned quite a bit from it. Hmm. And then from that, I was back in Toronto doing stuff. And I always, I feel I learn the most from people that I'm working with, be it directors or actors who are older. I just love being around people that I can learn from and absorb as much as I can from. And I was thinking, man, that was great in Ireland doing that. Why don't we do it again and pick another place? And, it, and it's, it's kind of become, I'd say, kind of a philosophy of mine in some way to try to always break myself in some way, in a positive way, to break what I'm comfortable in and try to learn something else and try to be, put myself in a situation that will force me or demand of me to use different muscles as a theater creator and actor. And um, equally as well, I, where the international stuff comes from is it feels like that's the highest form of doing this because it's such an unknown and people are brought up around the world with such different theater practices. It really, I feel like I'm thrown into the mix of it all. And also, I, I do a lot of traveling, and I'm very interested in the world and world affairs, and 
I always feel like I want to be able to engage in the world somehow. Mm-hmm. It's important for me. And whenever I travel somewhere or have an experience like that, the, the shift in perspective that I have just on my outlook is, is scary whenever I return from a trip, but it's also very powerful. And uh, mm. I, it's, it, these kinds of projects keep putting me in these situations where I can just learn and get as many different perspectives. And, and that's really part of the, uh, the mandate and function of human cargo, your theater company, isn't it? To yeah. The international aspect is a really important part of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. To, I feel with human cargo, I just want to set up opportunities for international theater artists to get together and exchange ideas, culture, theatrical practices, and from that, create pieces. I find doing these projects... If I direct them properly, mm-hmm. <laughs> things emerge that are very unique and are unlike anything else because they're a mix of things. And it's, it's exciting to me to try to create theater that's unique to the certain group of people, and that mm-hmm. can only ever be done by those people. Mm-hmm. I always think of that too, I think. These kinds of projects, like what Night is and the other projects we're doing, I think if I do it well enough, if I pull it off, the actors can never be replaced because it's all about them and who they are and their experience and, you know. Mm. So, yeah, it's, Human Cargo was set up to create mm. these kinds of opportunities. It's interesting, you know, that we're talking about the word international here and um, the project that you're here with at the National Arts Centre is um, Night with uh, an artist, in this case, from Pond Inlet, Nunavut which says something interesting about our own country because we could say this is a national project, of course, mm-hmm. but it feels as, as uh, different as the, the difference of culture in the north to the south of um, uh, something within our own country. And here in Ottawa, so often we talk about Canada as English and French culture, and as we... Uh, start really examining the Aboriginal and First Nations cultures, including that in our definition of our country, uh, the picture gets a bit more complex. Eh? What has that been like? And what was it that drove you to Pond Inlet? When I was a teenager, I heard something. I don't know where I heard it, but it came to me in a strange manner where... I heard this thing where people in Scandinavia sometimes commit suicide in the winter because it's dark. So that's all I heard. I didn't look into it further. I didn't go, who said that or why? I just caught a glimpse of it and it stayed with me. And uh, I started thinking, wow, that's cool. You know, people live in, around the world in periods of darkness in the winter. What's that like? What does that mean? And that started the initiation of this project, Night. And the, the beginning of it was to create a project that would look at how that winter darkness affects people. Just, it was very broad, very open. And I thought to get better perspectives involved, we'll of course have Southern Canadian artists, we'll have Inuit artists, and I thought we'll have Icelandic artists. Because Iceland is a very different culture than, than what it's like in Nunavut. But they experienced the darkness, so I thought, wow, that'll be great to kind of put these two cultures up against each other and see what's similar or not. So with that, I kind of thought, I'd never been to Nunavut. I didn't know anything about it. I thought, well, where will we go? So I looked on a map 
and I was going, I don't know where, you know. And then I thought, well, what place has longer periods of darkness? Because bringing actors up, it's always crazy trying to match people's schedules up. So I thought, well, go somewhere where there's a, a good window of darkness, and hopefully we can squeeze the workshops into it somewhere. So I read that Pond Inlet has a good portion. It was still on Baffin Island, so I thought, at least I don't have to go to Iqaluit and then take another plane and go out off of Baffin Island. I think that might be more expensive and also more complicated. So it was just looking, going, Pond Inlet will be good. Seems like a good thing to do. And I was just kind of gearing up for it, going, I think this is insane. This is absolutely crazy. And then I found out that an actor lives in Pond Inlet who worked in Toronto at Young People's Theatre. And right. a woman I know directed him. And I just so happened to be talking to her. And she's like, what's going on? And I'm saying, well, I think I'm going to go to Nunavut. And she's like, where? And I said, Pond Inlet. She goes, oh, so-and-so lives there. And I was like, it's done. I'm going. So it was from that, I bought a ticket, and off I went, and um, that was six years ago. And I went up for three weeks to introduce myself and the idea of the project to the community there, because I, know it's, I knew then that it's not possible, it wouldn't have been possible for me to just show up with actors and say, here I am in your community, I'm going to be here for four weeks and I'm making a play. It's just not appropriate. So I thought, I'll go there for three weeks, if they like me and like the idea of the project, it's on. If not, it's over. Mm. So I went up and in three, I had a three-week period of time where I was trying to meet people, meet actors, and do all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and is that where you met Abby? And Abby Utava, who's in Night, that, uh, for those of you who've seen it, she plays um, Piliuk in the play. And uh, if you're seeing it this afternoon... Look out, watch out for her. She's something. Uh, did you meet Abby on that first visit? Yeah. And how old was she at that time? She was 10. <laughs> yeah. Wow. She was this little kid because uh, people in the community asked if I could put together, help them put together a play, a very short play for Drug and Alcohol Awareness Week that was going to be put on in, in the community on my last night in mm -hmm. Pond Inlet. So we were creating this thing, rehearsing stuff, and near the end of it, they brought in this kid, this like little girl, because we needed someone to be the good spirit of, of the main character on the stage to kind of help her. So they brought in this kid and they said, this is going to be the, the good spirit. And I thought, oh, great, you know. And we did the thing and I thought, oh, it's cool kid, you know, cute kid, like, you know. And we did the show. And then three years later, I went back to do the first real workshop for night. And uh, we were doing work, youth projects at night and uh, youth from the community showed up to participate in these workshops, mm -hmm. and Abby walked in. And, but like, when I met her, she was like small. And then she was 13, so she was, she's like the height she is now. She was just mm. a teenager. And she's like, hi. And she's like, I'm, I'm the girl from the thing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, oh. And then we were like talking, and she participated in that. And uh, from that point on, over the last three years, I've gone up to Nunavut five more times. And every time I've actually worked with Abby on different projects. So now this is our fifth show together. Mm. Yeah. And uh, you talk, Christopher, about Night being a play that's about uh, trying to bridge understanding between the South and the North. Mm. 
and uh, it's something of which there's a lot of uh, challenges and misunderstandings and history. Mm. Um, what is your reflection on that experience, having worked on this play and as you continue to? After night uh, completes its run here in Ottawa, it's going on a, a northern tour where we'll go to Inuvik and Yellowknife and Whitehorse on this next leg. Mm -hmm. So uh, what, what are your reflections upon, what's the, what are the biggest misunderstandings there are between the South and the North? Yeah, um, a very telling thing uh, when we were creating the first workshop was I was with our actors and it was um, Michelle Fisk mm -hmm. and this guy Ben Kloss from Toronto and it was Lamiki Kadlu uh, from Pond Inlet and Annabella Pugatuk. And we were working in Pond Inlet and I remember uh, thinking to myself, I asked them, I said, let's just talk about what, when was the first time you met an Inuk and when was the first time you met a Kalunat, a Southern person? And I know the, the response from the Inuk actors was a priest and a policeman, RCMP, and the Southerners was an adopted child and a homeless man. And it was, it was a very, uh, it was a very strong, that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I thought, okay. And the more we started working, the more this idea of darkness in the winter was just an umbrella of, of something. And um, the, these, these ideas of different people together and our impressions of each other, they all started to emerge. And uh, from that, it began a very interesting journey of, um, of what it is that we have together. More and more, I feel, the more I'm up there, the more I go, and the more confusing this relationship becomes for me. I feel like I know less and less in some way. Mm. I, I have a hard time coming up with any answers for Tidy anything. resolutions, or yeah, yeah, because yeah, there is absolutely none. It's interesting when we were doing a workshop of the piece, and Christopher was here in. Um, June, uh, of course, what had just happened was the whole controversy with Michel Jean eating seal heart. And there, you know, it just, it, that struck me too. It's, uh, it was such a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. And if you've been in the North and know what traditions are being respected and what that's about, it's, uh, it's amazing too. Yeah. I feel there's... Um the whole the whole thrust of the play is um, a person from the south who's an anthropologist wants to repatriate the remains of Piuyuk's grandfather. She wants to bring it to the family. And that was based on a real event that happened with the Museum of Man from New York City. In New York City, um, there's a true story of Kimik, this, this uh, Eskimo child, which they called him, and he was brought down by Peary and his father died there. And there's the whole story that the museum put his father's bones on display and as a child he saw it. So there was great myth based around this true story. And in the 80s, um, the museum 
wanted to repatriate the remains of that grandfather back to the community in Greenland. And what ended up happening was there was two versions of the story. The version that was publicized and put out was that the community in, in Greenland requested that the remains be brought back, and the museum obliged and brought it back, and it's a good story. But the real story of it was that for some reason, and this is the thing that intrigues me the most, for some reason, the museum wanted to bring them back, they contacted the community, and the community said, it's irrelevant, we don't want it anymore. It really doesn't matter. But the museum persisted and went out of their way to return it, to the point where they staged a funeral, they put on a big funeral and had it buried and took pictures. They, they couldn't get flights going, so they had to hire a military plane. It was against all odds they went to do it. And why is it that on the front page of the Globe and Mail, I think it was this summer, was a big photograph of Inuit children sleeping on garbage? Why is it that on the front page of the National Post, before I went up to do my first workshop, it's photographs of pre-dug graves in the darkness. Like, there is, for some reason, and I don't know what this reason is, but there's a need, I feel, in, from Southern Canadian culture to depict Inuit and First Nations peoples, I think, in a position of needing help or needing to be saved, and that the people who can help and save are us. And... To me, I don't know what it is, I don't know what it means. Maybe next year I'll think in a different slant about it. But this is something that came up immediately in the workshop, and it's something that has always gone on and is a deep, deep question that I feel needs to be discussed. I was with someone yesterday, uh, and she saw the show on the opening night, and she, I remember she said, I would not have said this answer five years ago. So this is something I may have learned. Uh, she said, you know, what, what, what could we do or what do they need, they need to, to be helped or to save or what, what do they, is the internet, like what do they need? And I said, and she said, well, what do you think should be done? And I would, and my response was, wait until they ask for something. And then in the, and also think about why you feel you need to think that. They need to be saved or they need to be helped. Think about that. You know, it's, it's tricky. Right from the beginning with this project, I, uh, I thought about me, I thought, well, what am I doing going up there? Aren't I in some way going up there trying to take something or trying to do something like that, you know? And, and it mm -hmm. made me keep questioning, why am I doing it? Even if the answer is not a good answer, at least I'm aware of it, you know? And I think that, that's a big misconception that I think it, it's a strong hurdle to get over, but mm. I think it's crucial. Mm. Um, I'm wondering if you could uh, just position for us Pond Inlet as a place. Mm. What's it like? Um, <clears throat> last February, uh, Paula Dankert and myself got the great honor to get to travel to Pond Inlet and uh, to visit Christopher and some of the artists who were workshopping the show. And it is uh, an incredible uh, and unique place. Um, 
how many people? 1,200 people. 1,200 people. Yeah. And uh, what, is the, what does it look like? What is it? Can you just say a little bit about the co-op? About, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can honestly say Pond Inlet is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen, to be frank. They're, they're on water, they're on the ocean. Across from them, in this kind of inlet, one might call it, there's a Bylet Island which has all kinds of glacial mountains and it is absolutely picturesque and stunning and beautiful. I've never seen anything like it. So that is what awaits when, you, when you're there. Uh, it's a small community. If you were to walk from one farthest end to the other farthest end, it would take maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Um, there's a high school, of course, an elementary school, a brand new health center, which was built about mm. four years ago, which is beautiful. There's a community hall where we would luckily rehearse in, which they let us rehearse in, and there would be performances and square dancing, and if there's any community feasts, that would happen there. There are two pretty large grocery stores there, the co-op, which is featured in the play, and the northern, and um, all kinds of food is brought in, just very similar to our kinds of grocery stores. And uh, there's a great library there. Um, and yeah. churches. And churches, yeah. yeah. There's the Anglican church, and the, most of the community in Pond Inland is Anglican, and there's a beautiful Catholic church, which is in the oldest part of the town, which was built a long, long time ago. And it's gorgeous, right on the water. And that's kind of it. What, what I found challenging on my first trip there was the only real public place is the co-op. And what it is, is it's the majority of it is a grocery store, but there's an um, interior section that has the post office in it and a little kind of restaurant kind of place. And that is really the only public place to go, the little area in, outside yeah. of the grocery store, in a way. So for me, coming from Toronto, I found that very difficult. Like, because sometimes I'd want to—I didn't know anybody, and I wanted to go out, but it was too cold to kind of walk around. For me, I thought I'll walk, and then I didn't know where I was even walking to, and then I'll go. I want to just go and have a coffee or something. And the the one place I had was the co-op, but it's where everybody is. So I found, until I started feeling more confident and comfortable at why I was there, it was, I found it very challenging to kind of be there because everyone's looking at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, and, you know, being courteous and fun, and, but also wondering who the heck is that guy and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So, but it, it is a very, a very beautiful place. Well, I want to thank you very much for coming today. I hope all of you... Uh, Enjoy the production of Night, and uh, please join me in thanking Christopher Morris for meeting us today. That's all for this edition of the Hinterviews podcast. Send us your comments and questions. You can reach us by sending an email to hinterviews at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget you can subscribe to this and other NAC podcasts by visiting nac-cna.ca slash podcasts. 
There you'll find our past episodes, subscription links, and instructions on how to subscribe. You can also easily find us as a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store. Search on Hinterviews. If you'd like to stay in touch with news and updates from the NAC English Theater, sign up for a free e-bulletin by visiting nac-cna.ca slash email alerts. You can also find us on Facebook. Become a fan of the NAC English Theater on Facebook by entering NAC English Theater into the search bar. Until next time, this is Sean Fitzpatrick for Peter Hinton and Company saying goodbye from Canada's National Arts Center in Ottawa.